Welcome to the Paper Talk podcast, where we have candid conversations with emerging artists and industry leaders about all things paper flowers. Through this podcast, we hope to continue to share knowledge, connect all of us together, and elevate the artistry of each and every one of us. Hello, I'm Quinn Wen. I'm Jesse Chu. I'm Priscilla Park. Our mission is to share, connect, and elevate the paper floral industry. We are some of the voices behind the Paper Floors Collective. Welcome to our podcast, Paper Talk. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 22 of Paper Talk Podcast. Today, we're chatting with the lovely Caroline Tran of Caroline Tran Photography. Welcome to our podcast, Caroline. Thanks for having me. Hi, Caroline. So great to see you. Yeah, great to see you guys all again. It's been a couple months since we did our workshop. I know. I can't believe it's just a short while ago. Yeah. So amazing to see how much everything's changed and grown and what has happened in the short year that has progressed. Yeah, in five months. <laughs> <laughs> so there's now a podcast <laughs> yep. and now you have your online digital course that is uh-huh. so exciting really exciting and also by the way happy birthday thank you <laughs> another year wiser yeah or younger wiser and younger yes so for some of our listeners who don't know about you Caroline can you tell us a little bit about yourself yeah so I'm a photographer based in LA and I photograph anything from people so from engagement to weddings to babies but also into commercial as well like content creation for commercial clients or lifestyle and branding photos for them and then I'm also an educator which I started as a high school teacher went into the creative photography business and then now kind of marrying the two and I've started a photography education online photography education I mean let's go back a little bit tell us exactly how you started how by getting photography (laughs) into the photography business. Yeah. So I always was a creative, like I loved being creative, but you know, to my Asian parents, it was only a hobby and they never let me even entertain the idea of doing it something professionally. So I, they wanted me to be an engineer. I ended up being a physics major, got my degree, ended up teaching high school physics. And I always thought that I was going to retire as a school teacher. You know, I went straight from undergrad, got my master's in teaching, went straight to teaching. And I remember counting the days till I could retire thinking, okay, I started early. I could probably retire at 55, you know, and meanwhile, during that time, I was always crafting on the side. I love like craft. Like, so that's why I love what you ladies are all doing and men, because I was that person as well. I sew. I love paper craft too, but I found fashion and sewing to be my thing. So I used to sew my own clothes. I started sewing doll clothes and I had this niche selling doll clothes. And it was always a side hustle for me. It was like, and I always looked forward to summer vacations and winter vacations from teaching so that I could really work my craft. Not that I didn't like teaching. I did like teaching, but I just really love my crafting time, you know, and I just couldn't wait to retire so I could have more time to craft. And in while teaching, I had the side hustle of at a side business selling my doll clothes and it was doing surprisingly well. You know, I was selling these outfits for like, like a sweatshirt, like a hoodie for like 50 bucks and like full outfits for like 800 bucks. You know, these are like all handmade. tell our followers how small they are. They're so way tiny. <laughs> so like the the dolls themselves, the bodies were smaller than Barbie. It's like true. probably the same width, but shorter than Barbie. Mm-hmm. And the heads were probably the size of I don't know what dolls are out now. What these dolls were called? I know they the, had a slight B L Y T H E. But the the heads themselves were probably five inches in. Yeah, it's like a big head and then like a small like, tiny. Yeah, but not like a bobblehead. Yeah. Yeah, not like a bubble. Yeah, so they're, they're definitely 
Exactly. Yeah, giant heads on the bottom. <laughs> um, so like the sweatshirts I would make, they the little the bodice itself was probably like two inches oh gosh. big, yeah. but the head so tiny. But I was so proud of that because I engineered. Yeah, of yes, I actually call it engineer because I had to engineer how do you fit a hoodie on the giant bobble head. Yeah. Yes. You know? So I came up with this way of doing it, and that's why they were selling like crazy because it didn't exist otherwise. Right. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it wasn't scalable. I was the only one sewing it. I had no <laughs> manufacturer experience. However, what I did learn from it was how to take better pictures mm-hmm. of it. I had I actually tried selling people clothes first, and then. I started the doll clothes and with the people clothes, it failed. I just couldn't get the dollars that I wanted for. And I couldn't understand why were some people able to get so much more money for their shirts than I was. So when I, one thing that I did realize was better photos. The brands that had better photos were able to command more money for it. They looked more more refined. They looked more expensive, so (laughs) to speak, you know, and more exclusive. And so I noticed that the brands that marketed themselves as one of a kind, and had great photos to really highlight the products were able to get more money. So when I started the doll clothes, I started to pick up my camera again. I took a, I took one photography class in college, never touched a camera again. So I was like, all right, let's figure this camera out again. And I learned how to take better pictures of my dolls. And I know that that's what ultimately was able to get me more money for the doll clothes than others. Because I noticed there were some people who were selling dresses, doll dresses for 5 or $10. And there were people who were selling doll dresses for like 30 300 $800, you know? You know, and I was like, why is that? And I think it ultimately it comes down to the same thing as human clothes, right? Like you have your Forever 21 where you can expect to spend $20 on a top, right? Or you can walk into your Chanel and know that you're going to spend $2,000. And so, you know, it, when I think about it, yes, the quality is better and the material is better, but not like 10 times <laughs> better, right? Or a hundred times better. So there's something more to it. It's in how they brand themselves. But yeah, so then I, I noticed that the, the brands that had better for photography and just an overall cohesive look had a stronger brand and was able to charge more money. So that's how I ended up perfecting my photography so that I could take better pictures of my doll clothes. And then I, from there, I realized that I actually enjoy the photography a lot more than hand sewing clothes. (laughs) What kind of camera did you end up starting with? I started with the Canon Rebel. Um, Mm -hmm. It was just easily accessible at the time. When I was teaching, the school that I taught at invested in the Canon Rebel for the school. And it was used to document, you know, just events and stuff like that. So I became the school photographer or for our little, yeah, our little community. I became our community's photographer. I got to keep the camera on weekends and after school. Nice. So that's when I was, <laughs> I was working on my photography on the side with the borrowed camera. I ended up buying lenses for it, for the borrowed camera. <laughs> and then eventually upgraded the body from there. So when did you move on to the full frame camera? Um, the, so after, so I was shooting with the Rebel for the longest time and I was just shooting for fun. You know, I eventually switched schools because I was I was starting to burn out. I used to teach in LAUSD just in the hood, you know, and that was where I wanted to be. I wanted to make a difference and I wanted to serve underserved communities, but it was really draining and mm-hmm. I burnt out. So I ended up moving to a smaller charter school also in LA, but just smaller. I was trying it out because at that point I was like, I don't even want to teach anymore. But maybe if I tried a smaller school, you know, maybe I would still have that fire in me again. So when I switched to the smaller school, that's also when I gave up the camera back to the old school. And that's when I decided, all right, I should buy a new camera. So I bought a full frame camera at that 
point, upgraded to a professional level camera. I knew I wanted to start a photography side hustle because I I had a side hustle all the time anyway. I always had a side hustle, right? I was selling doll clothes, selling people clothes. So when I switched to this new school, I was like, all right, my new side hustle is going to be photography. <laughs> I always had something creative on the side. So while after teaching, I would, you know, take off and photograph friends or fake, fake engagement sessions. I would photograph my coworkers' kids. If they came and pick, if they came to visit their parents at school, I would photograph them. And I just started off as that small circle. But eventually I got one of my coworkers' cousin was getting married and it was a Vietnamese engagement party that they were having. And they look very much like wedding. And so she asked me, she's like, hey, do you want to photograph my cousin's engagement party? You know, I know you're just starting out, but I know you aspire to do this. So maybe he could pay you like a nominal fee. And if he likes what you do, you could then shoot his wedding. So I was like, cool. So I was like, this is awesome. Like, yes, I'll do it. But then at that point, I'm like, shoot, how do you document an event? Like I've never done this before. So it's like researching, finding out what lenses I need. I think I bought a flash for the first time for that event. And then like, luckily the photos were actually like half decent. And <laughs> they ended up hiring me to do their, their engagement session. So I did the engagement party. After that thing, they hired me to do the engagement session and then their wedding after that. And that was my portfolio for like the first six months because I used that to book and I faked it as a wedding because it looked like a wedding and I used that to book more clients. That's awesome. So the funny story is my younger sister actually hired Caroline Tran and that's how I knew her. And so she started following Caroline when she was photographing her dolls because I remember her showing me these pictures of the dolls with the tiny little amazing clothes. <laughs> and I'm like, that's amazing. Because <laughs> yeah, your sister's really into robots. So I feel like it kind of yeah. has that same like quirkiness. Yeah, and she's... <laughs> Yep. She's still into robots right now. It's so funny that it's carried her throughout her entire life. I mean, she was just raving about you and the photos from her wedding is just beautiful. She still has them around her house and they're yeah, amazing. 10 She's years so ago talented. now. I know. I can't believe it. <laughs> Can I ask you how you were able to establish your artistic style? I mean, there's so many photographers out there and there's so many people who just pick up a camera and start shooting and, you know, mm -hmm. the on something more. But how do you, like, how how do you stand out? How do you define your, your photography style when some, you know, when a lot of things are kind of out of your control at event, yeah. you know, you know, the wedding event coordinate, you know, set up whatever colors are in the background, like they determine so many things. How do you impress your own artistic style onto your photos? I think a lot of it has to do with how I choose to light the photos. So then it gives me consistency in terms of like the coloring and the lighting and the overall feeling of the photo, like the mood that the photo has. Because, you know, we, it could be the same bouquet and two photographers can photograph the two bouquets in very different ways. Right? So a lot of it is just how you choose to light and how you choose to the angle that you choose to capture things in. So I think that that's where a photographer's voice could really come out as an artist. I think... Mm -hmm. If I had to give a tip for any creative, whether it's paper flowers, designer, photographer, it's actually to don't look at other people's work. I, I know it just sounds, you know, probably cliche and you've heard it so many times, but it's so true though. Cause I feel like when you look at other people's work, it's one, I think it sets you up to feel, to comparing and it's a dangerous game yes. to go down because it's, I think as artists, we need to feel inspired and creative. And when you're looking at other people's work, if you're comparing yourself to other people's work, 
work. It can make you, it can demotivate you. It could discourage you. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I try to, I know even though I'm active on social media, I actually don't really, I don't seek inspiration within my own industry. I don't look at other Mm -hmm. people's work. I'll follow other photographers if we're personal friends because I'm, you know, following for the personal life, but I don't look at other Mm -hmm. photographers work because ultimately I feel like everyone kind of draws inspiration from the same place anyway. And there's, you know, it's arguably that, oh, there's no true original work. Like everything is inspired by something. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would like to feel that it came from me and from within. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We totally get that. And at least even if it's something that's been done, like it's coming from my, and so that way, like, I feel like even, even if it's been done, like I know that it's coming from my heart and I'm generating whatever this is and it's original to me and I actually haven't seen it. So Mm -hmm. someone may see it. Someone may be doing something similar down the line, but Mm -hmm. I know that we're each doing it our own way. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's so hard, especially in our paper flower industry. There's a lot of self-comparison like, oh, she made that rose so much better Mm -hmm. than me. And it's just like, how do I do that? And it's just really hard for people. I say, you know, stop looking at other Mm -hmm. people's work. There's a moment where you need to take a break from social Mm -hmm. media. And I think looking at real Mm -hmm. roses Mm -hmm. and seeing how varied different Mm -hmm. they are. And then saying, you know, there's peace in accepting what you make Mm -hmm. and what you produce to the world. And I think that it's a hard one to learn. It's easy to say, but hard Mm -hmm. to learn. It's also hard in social media because you do want to support other people. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a two-way street. I mean, if they're going to support you, I mean, it's not really an obligation so much as, well, we're all a community. That's part of building a community is supporting each other. And, uh, you know, and that does require us to look at each other's work. But I think, I think you're right, Caroline, in terms of when you look at someone's work, the mindset that you have, it shouldn't be comparison. It shouldn't be, what are they doing better than me? It should be for inspiration, for, for motivation, for even, you know, just praise, mm-hmm. you know, just a rah, 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 cheer us on. Like, let's do this together, yeah. um, which think, can be a challenge. I think that also is where it goes into who is your audience, really. Mm-hmm. I, I find that photographers make this mistake too, that they speak to other photographers a lot, like on their social media, mm-hmm. but other photographers are not the client. They're not going to be the one mm-hmm. who, who's paying, who's hiring yeah. you. And I would say the same for paper florists. Like if you're speaking to other paper florists, they're not the ones who are going to be buying your flowers. So you should be speaking to your customers. Unless you're in education, you know, and unless you really are selling like paper or tools or education to other paper florists, they're not the ones buying your flowers. So I would say don't worry so much about your peers. Yeah, as much. worry about your clients, speak to your clients, for you know, sure. and I get the community mm-hmm. part, but probably where like, say your Facebook group is handy to do, mm-hmm. you know, to go mm-hmm. to your yes. Facebook group and stuff. But I don't think it's as important, say on, on Instagram, I think look for mm-hmm. your customers instead of colleagues. Yep. I 100% mm-hmm. agree with that. I would say most of my clients is from Instagram. And I think speaking to your customers and not your peers on that platform is a much better use of Instagram. Mm And Facebook is where you can talk to your peers and ask about tips and tricks and share what you're making and ask their thoughts Mm -hmm. on that. So yeah, very good advice. Mm -hmm. I think people tend to forget it because we tend to speak to each other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's easier to talk to mm-hmm. each other than it is to talk to your right. customers because you never know who your next customer is. Mm-hmm. The, dif- the difference too is like people for you, people like you and I, we do sell mm-hmm. to other, like we do sell B2B, right? Like business to yeah. business. Mm-hmm. We are also role models in our in our own industry, right? So I think maybe pe- maybe more aspiring artists are seeing. So we, so I guess point is like, we do have a need to speak to other businesses, right? Because mm-hmm. you have your podcast, you know, your work.
workshops, I have my education. So we are speaking to other artists as well. But then if someone is just starting out and they copy our tone, like, and I think that's where we see a a lot of it happening is there are people who Mm -hmm. are not selling to other photographers yet speaking to other photographers or or other paper floors talking about the type of paper or the type of tools that they're using. And it's like your consumers don't care. They just want to see the pretty Mm -hmm. flowers, Mm -hmm. you know, so connect to the consumers. So, so true. Yep. (laughs) You talk a lot about this topic in terms of like how to communicate properly with your market. We need to ask you back, Caroline, know. <laughs> another like episode or two. <laughs> but we should move on because yeah. I know we're short on time. And let's talk about your online courses mm-hmm. and what other platforms are you teaching? Are there any workshops that are coming up? Yeah, so I started, so with this year, one of the goals for my business was that I wanted to really dive deeper into being an educator. You know, my background was in education. I love teaching. I still love teaching. I love workshops. I used to host retreats and they were like four day retreats, we would all live in like a huge villa together. And, you know, so it was like eat, drink, sleep together and talk photography, do photography. And, but it was so much deeper than that. You know, when you're living with people like that, there was really the opportunity to connect on a much deeper level. And a lot of the times for business, like what you'll find is what's blocking you from propelling in your business is not actually the logistics of business itself. It's mind blocks. There's a lot of self, self-inflicted barriers that people put on themselves, you know, where it's like, I can't do this. I, you know, I I can't quit my nine to five. I have to keep my stable income. I can't be, I can't make a living as an artist. You know, I don't want to be a starving artist. Like all these like limitations, right. That we put upon ourselves. And I think these retreats were a great way to be able to do some really, I think these retreats were like a great place to do self-reflection and just really dig deep on these issues that we probably were not willing to face and admit, but really were hindering us from moving forward. Right. And so I loved it. However, it's a lot, as you know, it's a lot of work to put together a conference slash workshop. And in the end, I'm only able to serve like 15 people. Mm-hmm. So yeah. this year, I really wanted to see how can I serve a greater audience? How can I make my education available to more people? So that's where I brought it online. And last year, I did a lot of like speaking engagements at conferences. But this year, I was like, you know, I'm already, I already have the content. Let me put it online. So my online courses range anywhere from um, your non-photographer who wants to take better photos. I have a course called How Do I Use This Fancy Camera? And it's great for moms or parents who want to take better pictures of their kids. It's really good for like small businesses who are trying to create content for their own brand without having to hire a photographer every single time. And it's the basics of how to use your fancy camera, literally, and how to get better pictures from it. Because I also know a lot of people who have fancy cameras, but are using it in auto mode and not fully maximizing its potential. So Mm -hmm. I teach you all what all the buttons and dials mean, what, you know, how to choose a lens um, and how to actually control your camera rather than like spraying and praying as we call it. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good example. (laughs) And then then it also goes deeper into like lighting. So once you know how to use your camera, if you want to learn more about lighting and how light works, because light I think is like the number one component to a photo. And then everything in between of like, you know, details of what you would need to 
get better pictures. But the course that I'm currently working on that will be out probably end of the year or is a business course. So my my launch manager recommended that I that I target this course to a more niche market, which is photographers. But really, it's a creative business course because like I to- told you, I had two failed. I had one failed creative business prior. I think my dog one was actually quite a success, except I didn't want to keep hand sewing clothes. But, um, <laughs> <I'm sure. laughs> um, but yeah, it's really like how to launch a creative business. It's, it's a roadmap to, you know, you, it's not because the course is not about how to do your craft. The, the course assumes you already know your craft, but how do you now turn it into a business? How do you turn the side hustle, <laughs> this passion project of yours, the thing that you do at night after work into an actual business where you can transition full time into doing this? And so <laughs> it goes over like branding, marketing, like how to structure your business, how to price your business, how to package and sell like good sales tactics and stuff, stuff like that. But how to take the side hustle into a full business. Oh, what a good course. Mm-hmm. Let us know when you launch that so we can share it with our followers. Yeah. That's going to be a very, very good yeah, one. I'm, I'm like really proud of that course because we've we're already done filming. So we just need to edit and then market it next. But yeah. So the mm-hmm. content is like really good. <laughs> That is so awesome. Are you launching it on your website or do you have a platform you're launching it on? I'm, I host it, everything myself. So it's carolinetraneducation.com. And then that one has like everything from the, how do I use this fancy camera to the business course that's mm-hmm. coming up. And then I'm going to, for those who like in-person workshops, like, so if you, so I have free, I have free lighting tips on there. I also have free tips on how to take better indoor photos. Cause I know most of you are probably shooting your stuff indoors. So it's like how to make that light work for you, how to, mm-hmm. how to get perfect indoor lighting when you're shooting your products indoor. And so I do have a PDF for that if you guys want, and there's a link somewhere here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put it on the perfect. blog. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And so what if someone wanted to come and see you in person to get that one-on-one experience? How do we bounce? Yeah, so in October, Quinn, me and Alicia are going to be hosting an in-person floral workshop. And for those of you who are interested in learning how to do flower installations and flower arrangements, because I know you all know how to make beautiful flowers, and now how do you bring it together and possibly package them into like, you know, bouquets or arrangements, right? Or if you are looking to go into weddings with these. So Alicia, sweetie, Quinn and I are going to be co-hosting a workshop in Los Angeles, October 22nd, 23rd, 24th. And it's going to be an amazing, inspiring three days in-person workshop that you won't want to miss because we're going to have Alicia showing us how to make these amazing arrangements. I think this is going to really help you elevate your brand, set you apart from all the other paper florists out there because how you bring it all together, right? It's not just a rose anymore. It's now a whole arrangement of things, an installation of things. Exactly. And then Quinn, you know, with her paper flower experience and her gorgeous mm-hmm. arrangements as well. She's going to be bringing in like that marriage of like the fresh flowers, paper flowers. And then I'm going to be showing you how to take better pictures of your flowers when you're done with it. Yay. Yeah. So we'll cover lighting, iPhone, iPhone photography, lighting, get you guys better pictures. Exactly. It's going to be amazing. So one of the aspects that I'm going to be teaching is I'm actually going to show you how to do large insulation. And I feel like now that I have a lot of insulations underneath my belt, I know some quick ways, some really 
good mechanics that I want to show everyone if you want to do like an Arbors or if you want to do like a storefront. Because I feel like now the trend now for fresh and paper flowers is decorating storefronts with giant bouquets of flowers. So we're going to talk about different mechanics on how to actually attach it to buildings, attach it inside the windows, and then talk about why you would want to use paper flowers. Why would you want to use dry flowers? What flowers would actually last longer if you wanted to have like for a full weekend? So that's some of the things that we're going to be exploring at that particular workshop. Cool. I'm excited. Yeah, it's going to be so exciting. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So much to learn from you guys. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait to see yeah. you again. It's only like a few weeks away. Yeah, yep. Oh so my gosh. Sign up, register, and book those plane tickets. <laughs> You should check on flirtyfleurs.com to find more details about that particular workshop. But you guys should come. It's going to be a really amazing, intimate workshop. It's going to be at Caroline Tran Studio in downtown Los Angeles. We close to the wholesales too. And that yeah. should be a lot And of my fun. space is really cool too. It's like modern, it industrial, like converted warehouse kind of look, but very like upscale at the same time. I love it. Yeah. Build, come build cool. your portfolio. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I think that's the really key part. Sure. Is like, yeah. I'll be mm-hmm. photographing your arrangements too. And so, you can use those on your social media. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is there anything else that our listeners should know about you, Caroline? How can we everyone follow you? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at Caroline Tran, all one word. Um, I'm also on Pinterest at Caroline Tran, my website, carolinetran.net. And, and also carolinetraneducation.com, right? Oh, yeah. And there's... <laughs> And there's carolinetraneducation.com if you would like resources for taking better photos. That's yeah. awesome. So thank you so much, Caroline. It was so much fun chatting with you. And I know we need to have you back because there's so many other like cans of information that we want to open yeah. up and like dive into. So let us know when you're okay. free again. I love it. <laughs> I always, love your, always love you guys. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. Likewise. All right. So you guys have a great time. Thanks for having me. 